Hello and welcome to This DVT Life. I'm your host, Renee Petrie. Hey everyone, so awesome to be here as always. I just wanted to take a little moment here at the beginning of this episode to say I am so thankful for all of you. Um, I actually believe that every episode except for the first I guess for the last couple new ones, have reached over 100 um, listens. So again, thank you to my number one fan. I know you've been tediously listening to every episode every day. I very much appreciate it. Um, And if there's absolutely, you know, maybe one other person in the world, thank you to you as well. And to all the people who listen in, Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, Even I have a hard time hearing my voice over and over again. So you guys are champions. Thanks so much. Um, with that in mind, I wanted to share a little story about how um, how I came to DVT. Um, I was very interested in it, and I actually called Kate Hurd on the phone and said, hey, I'm really interested in this. And she said, okay, I'm going to uh, send you the blue book, um, this old book that had been putting together with all the articles of DVT and, and different, uh, I guess, talks or whatnot um, that David has done. And uh, then she mentioned, oh, there's also this internship in New Haven that maybe you should think about. Um, so I did, and here I am. Um, but in, in the flavor of Joey from Friends, I'm going to do a dramatic reading of being in proximity to the other, which is a talk that David gave before I was in um, DVT. Uh, I think it was 2014. Oh, sorry, 2004. My goodness, 2004. Um, Being in Proximity to the Other, a dramatic reading, written by David Reed Johnson, spoken by Renee Petrie. I turn to my side, away from you, you who enter my space and intrude on my peace, you who lie next to me, whom I've married or loved or met or seen or withdrawn from, who breathes as you wish. Whom at times I can't bear, the smell of you, the way you move, the way you deny me. I turn to my side and you turn to your side, and we move apart. All the while keeping the other in sight or in mind. And a strange thing happens, for the sideways movement around each other becomes an orbit. A constant escape which never succeeds. An internal return. Yes, as I walk out the door in the morning and return in the evening, as I turn from you in bed to get some space, only to find myself again in your arms, as we argue, then kiss and make up, slam doors and send cell phone apologies, yes, the whole world is spinning around itself. Let me begin with repetition. What is repetition? Listen to this metronome, the ticking Each sound is the same, the repeating sound, but something arises out of this repetition. Something else, something different. Yes, difference emerges out of this repetition, and this difference is time. Time is the difference from one moment to the next. The sound repeats, but something has moved along. Rather, this nothingness, that is the difference, that is This time, this time arises out of repetition, but time is not located here. No, time flows. It does not flow from the metronome to me, but sideways. Somehow time moves between us. 
before our eyes. Similarly, space is the difference from one location to the next. I place my foot out and take another step, and somehow space is created, arises, exists. Space flows out of these locations. Space is not where I step, but around my steps. When we begin with the repetition of sounds or movements, could it be that these repetitions similarly give rise to difference in the forms of images and meanings that somehow are not located in the movements but seem to exist around them? Could it be that from the concrete sounds and movements come intangibles of time and space and image from the body in repetition emerge the intangibles of in spirit and mind and consciousness? Between bodies arise lines of becoming that flow sideways between them and not from one to the other. And so perhaps what we call leakage is not from another image arising from a distant source. Rather, leakage itself itself is generated by the repetition of form or movement or role, by the restraint from harm, by the faithfulness of our rendering whose shadow it is. What then of the paradoxes of matter and energy, of body and mind, of reality and fantasy, or subject and object, could, could each be an aspect of the play between repetition and difference? For the material body and what we call reality are repetitions, territories, beings, banks, and it's due to their proximity with each other that the lines becoming arise, and these lines of becoming are energies and consciousness and minds and imaginings, They are the freedom that comes with nothingness. So yes, it is not that there is being in nothingness, territory and free space. No nothingness is born from being and flight from repetition, for repetition is a prison. For nothing can be repeated. Chaos is generated from order, white water from narrow shore. Freedom is the offspring of being. The most enduring repetition is our body. Each day I wake into it again and see these teeth, these eyes, this hair, and remember this history again as I walk into rooms. I need not speak or introduce myself, for I am recognized. Oh, that sometimes I could could escape this particularity and become a mist, a fog, a fly on the wall, an eye in the sky, to cloak myself in another's form, an invisible man. But this has yet to happen to me, as much as I may have longed for this. It is because I am body that my impulse to move my arm must soon come to a halt, for my arm can only go so far, though in my mind the movement continues on. To keep it moving, I must first return it to my trunk, then set it out again, only to be reined in again and again. Repetition. Sure. Bank. My inward breath cannot continue forever. It stops. I pause and then I exhale, and my exhaling does not continue long, for soon I breathe in again, and my heart beats over and over again. Each day I brush my same teeth and look in the mirror and see the same me as much as I try to change myself by doing something different for a change, only to discover me again. It is in this discovery of the same, of the repetition, that gives rise to my soul, which which says in protest, I will not be held to these boundaries and flies out the window, looks down from above, seeing far ahead, and in doing so pulls me out the door, fills me with ambition, generates my project, my dream, to transform the world or myself, myself or the world. And so it begins with repetition, and repetition generates difference, 
and difference forms into things like time and space and purpose and images, and repeating these creations causes new differences to arise, which we notice and feel and animate and then express around and around. But there is more than just repetition. There's proximity. Repetition gives rise to the differences that are time and space and meaning, but proximity determines the speed or turbulence of these lines of becoming. So I find myself here in the world, which I see and hear and smell and touch and taste, and let me walk in the pleasant woods. At first I am the witness, and I see that everything is good, for I am the one who takes the world in. It's like becoming, excuse me, it is like being at the ocean shore, looking out to the horizon and seeing nothing, and being seen by nothing, for there is no other shore. But at some point in this walk, if I walk long enough, I may begin to have a feeling that things in the woods are aware of my presence, that I am alone, not the only witness, and I look for evidence of presence of this awareness, perhaps in the sound of a branch snapping, the rustling of leaves, and in my imagination, I feel I'm being watched, and I laugh to myself or hum a familiar tune to cast this idea off, only to be startled by the next rustling and try not to begin running. This pre-encounter with the other seems to form simply from my walking. However, if in the distance I were to see a figure standing by a tree, or I see two eyes looking at me from inside a cave opening, then a real encounter with the other would begin, and confronted with the other's presence, my heartbeat quickens, the pace of time increases. Such encounters in distance... Such encounters range in distance from those that allow plenty of room between us for maneuvering, the, account, the encounter being about presentation of our surfaces to each other, to those more personal in which we can come in contact with our proximal spaces, that is, the spheres of in- immediacy that surround us and that define our personal space in which we interact with most acquaintances. Then, moving further inward, where our proximal spaces overlap with each other, we enter intimate spaces, and then even further, territory we know as deep play or presence. As the banks of the river narrow, the stream moves faster. The two lay next to each other, two banks and the unseen river flowing between, lines of becoming arising somewhere, that way, upstream and flowing this way, downstream. As the two close in on one another, the river moves more rapidly. White water, rapids, turbulence increases, rushing as if it were between them. Then, when the two move apart, the water slows evens out, lays quiet, almost as if not flowing at all. When I and the other allow ourselves to remain in close proximity, in embodied encounter, with the rush of time and space moving between us, then all that the Buddha said can be experienced. For all life is turbulent, all life is impermanent, all life is impersonal, and all life flows in an endless stream, dependent or in origination. That is the close proximity, this collection of tremoring, vibrations that our soul lights up, incandescence, like the coalescence of dust into stars, or like this gathering of lonely people from far and wide into this one small space. We are the banks that encase the stream, these repetitions of identity and name and sensibility that define what is, that give us the solidity we have, yet we cannot resist the water. We place our feet in the river to feel its flow, As each act is repeated, as each entity affirmed, as each boundary is marked, the other calls forth and the lines of becoming rush between us, confusing us, enlivening us, causing 
all things to rise and fall and turn about. Yes, as we approach the other, the flow of this life stream increases from here to there, and in this here to there we surmise an origin and an end, a source and a destination, a home and the frontier. Oh, that I knew such a source actually existed. Perhaps it is only the conjuring of proximity and repetition. Certainly a real stream rises from out of the ground and spreads out into the sea. Certainly I have emerged out of my mother, not an abstract entity to be sure, but a real unique body as she emerged from hers and she from hers and so on until what? The original Eve? Monkey, fish, bacteria, stardust? Where does this end? How can there be a definitive origin? So perhaps one thought rises out of another, but there is no original thought that began, only a flow from one to another, yet which gives us a source and an end of time and purpose, origin and destination, that time and space and with them source and end rise out of repetition explains why the source can never be reached, never attained, and yet is not transcendent, for all rise up at once, beginning and ending, here and there, as if vibrating ether. One cannot present without past and future, cannot have here without there, cannot have your project without source and final aspiration. But all this is too much. The rapids become too turbulent. One is nearly pulling in, and heavens could drown or be carried away. Enough with proximity. Enough with becoming. Give me some space. You're driving me crazy. Let me be. If the turbulence that arises when my encounter with the other becomes too intimate, first let me withdraw. Gain distance from this awful proximity I have stumbled into. Move away from the other shore till it recedes in the distance, as stream becomes lake becomes sea. Let me avert my gaze. Let me move to the other side of the room. Let me speak of other things. Let me speak of other things. Let me rise and raise problems. Let me fall silent. Let me turn off the light. Let me leave, O door, taxi, internet, plane, and sweetness of departure. Or perhaps I'm not able to leave, or I do not want to leave, but simply want to dam up this rushing stream. Yes, to stop it. Hell, why? Why let it go on? Let my body be still. Let me break these relentless arms of the clock that that let time stand still. So yes, let's. Let him hold me. Kiss me. Know me. Fuck me. Only my hand or my face or my mind or my vagina will go numb, limp, dead for him because any movement on my part will reveal my choice. My endless repeating choice, which is freedom which is difference, which is the fucking stream, so I cannot allow this to begin. No. Let me remain frozen in his sweet embrace and tell you each time of my sorrow. Or perhaps a third urge arise. Not to depart from or to stop the stream, but to cross over to the other shore. To overcome this river which suddenly becomes an obstacle to me, which means to deny the river in order to touch or to rather to have the other. And so a transaction occurs between us, with grasping and clinging and other forms of possession, with hitting and killing and other forms of aggression and violence, with stimulating and rubbing and other forms of sexual contact, with dominating and controlling and other forms of oppression and submission, with performing and exhibiting and pleasing and conjooling, and with saving, caring and hugging and other forms of nurturing. All these things which we do with and to each other. All these crossings or transactions between the banks of the river, between myself and the proximal other, 
which are the actions of our everyday lives, are not intended to intensify the stream, but rather to triumph over it, to bridge it, to nullify it, deny it, to diminish. Sex and aggression are instincts, yes, but really they are not desires, for desire is of the river. No sexual aggression, no sexual or aggressive acts are, are the intolerance of desire. They are the wish to end desire, to reach the other shore and to land. They are the bridges and landings and invasions of the other. These responses to proximity, withdrawal, freezing, and transaction are the challenges we face in our work in the play space, for these are the ways of leaving the play space. So what, indeed, do we do at the riverbank if we're not allowed to withdraw from it, dam it up, or cross to the other shore? This is the same question as to what is the play space. In the play space, we portray, we portray withdrawal becoming frozen in all the transactions of possession, aggression, sexuality, nurturing. That is, we enact the very same things that people do or want to do or shouldn't do in normal space-time. So how to play these enactments, so how do these play enactments different from real transactions? Perhaps real transactions which go from me to you or you to me are different than play-space enactments, in that the play-space does not extend from one shore to the other, but moves laterally along the river, not from me to you, but from upstream to downstream. In fact, the play-space is the river, the stream that arises from repetition and proximity. So, in the play-space we enact a murder that is not a murder, a touch that is not a touch, a death that is not a death. One can only say that death is moving between us, that hate or love or control or submission is flowing between us, all in lateral movement. The play space is sideways, and in the sideways can go kissing and hitting and loving and holding, passing by us, through us, as we move closer to each other. The imagination arises out of each act not done, no, turned to the side. This is why real transactions end in consequences and hurt feelings, retributions and resentments, while play-space enactments dissipate and transform, for they are moving downriver. It is this laterality that that underlies the three conditions of the play-space. Mutuality, because it goes between, restraint from harm, because it passes by instead of coming toward, and discrepancy, because the lateral movement separates me from you, discrepancy because of difference itself. The play space is the place where all the possible responses to encounter with the other, all the possible transactions with the world are thrown into the river and allowed to sink or float away rather than thrown at each other. And ironically, we do what every child does when they arrive at the riverbank. They reach down, grab a piece of the shore, a rock, a stick, and throw it into the river to watch it sink or float down the river, and then they throw another one again. At the, say, at the ocean shore where we take stones and throw them into the water or build castles at the edge and watch them be taken. The play space lies at the edge of the water as shore or self sinks down into the stream. Transitional space. Real space lies away from the water for protection. We build our real castles away from the risk of flooding. Our real world is to be preserved, held onto as we hold onto our possessions, our children, our spouses, our savings, our career, ourselves. In contrast, we build sandcastles near the water's edge, on the incoming tide, in order to fight for survival, and in order to lose that fight, a sea claims our magnificent accomplishment. 
And so, in a similar way, we allow our play space to claim the magnificent accomplishments of the self. In the work that we do, we take pieces of ourselves and throw them into the space between us and the client over and over and over again, and let them float away, only to look down and find another piece, even shinier or smoother than the previous one, and throw it out, hoping perhaps to delay its demise by skipping it once or twice, or many times more. This is what developmental transformations is. Throwing sticks in the river, building castles at the edge of the incoming tide, throwing ourselves out toward the other and having everything carried away. So our work appears to be about repetition and proximity. We engage our bodies in encounter with our clients. We engage in repetitions of bodies and images and personas and movements and ideas, whatever it is, and we progressively move closer into proximal space while at the same time trying not to freeze, flee, or engage in transactions across this uprising stream of difference, of turbulence, of feeling, of life that rises between us. Indeed, there are the way, these are the ways that the client exits the play space, and when this occurs, we must back away temporarily and then make our, pro- our approach again. In the end, we seek an embodied encounter with the other in which there is equanimity about the turbulence of the, and the impermanence of experience and proximity to another, and this is just another way about this is just another way about speaking about presence. In the end, developmental transformations comes down to this: repetition and proximity, to play at the shore until it is time to go home and wash our feet, sit down for dinner, tidy our rooms, and go to bed after saying our prayers, and so on and over and over again, as each departure becomes a return. The hand that tucked me into bed lives in my hand as I put Adam to sleep again and again. And the sun sets and then rises again and it moves away and comes back to us day after day again and again, being the earth's eternal attempt to free itself from the sun, foiled again. And that is time and that is our life. And it is both fact and illusion. In the end, there is only repetition and proximity. That is time and space. All the rest seems to follow on from there. Being in the proximity to the other. David Reed Johnson, circa 2004. So there you have it. Another episode down and hopefully the conversation's still going strong. Feel free to give me an email at thisdvtlife at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, or any story ideas. Don't forget to subscribe at your iTunes store. Thanks again for listening. Take care and play on.